Hey, welcome to The Truth Response. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, what is going on, podcast land? So excited for you to join us today. Uh, This is part two we picked up last week. And guess what? This is episode number 16. We've been officially handed the keys to the car, and we're able to to pull out of the parking lot today on our own. I don't know what that means, but hey, here we are. (laughs) I'm so glad that we're all here. Uh, Again, White white Chocolate is, uh, you know, we are sans one Derek, so... Um, so you won't get the the smooth, cool voice of Derek Tennant the, this afternoon or this evening or whenever you're listening. Um, but we're all still here for you just to to help fulfill that void in your life. You know, that's why we're here. You you are not alone in all of this. And this is the truth response. Welcome to the prayer room. So we're going to continue some conversation. Derek left you hanging last week, but guess what? In true nature of production quality, we're going to wait till the end of the the end. I don't know. Second half. The second half of the podcast. Is there really a halves in all of this? Is no. there an intermission? Do you take a do you take a break? Do you get popcorn and go to the bathroom while you're listening to us? I don't know. And you don't really have to answer that question for us, but I'm just Please putting don't. it out there. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to dive into it again. This is this is kind of a non-traditional way of us doing what we've been doing. Uh, we're, we're pausing on John for a moment, and we're just answering some pressing questions that uh, that are out there. Uh, and, and okay, we're not answering questions. We're discussing questions that are out there because there's no real answer to a lot of these questions. But this still is the truth. It's still about the truth. It's about what the Bible tells us about these questions and how we are called to live as image bearers of the creator of the heavens and the earth. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited. Where are we at today? What are we talking about? We're going to start off with trivia question. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to oh, put you guys no through that trivia. again. Um, What's the seventh son of, of Jacob? What's his name? Levi, duh. No, that was the third oh, one. That is the third one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Get with it, Derek. <laughs> What's the twelfth son of Jebediah? I, I don't know. I, I, that's why I was asking the questions last last week, not not answering What's them. What's the so. last word in the book of Haggai? Period. Yeah, you <laughs> like how this feels, Derek? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I was asking the question. You guys mm-hmm. are historical Bible scholars. Mm-hmm. I am just a dude who took a lot of philosophy classes. Okay, so I think the first that question scholars is might be an overstatement. Yes. Huh? I would say I passionately pursue Jesus. Yes, I like that. Yeah, you guys know a whole lot of history and and, and Bible, <laughs> but not all of it. Stuff. I, I, no, no, but the three no, of you no. guys together got a pretty good handle on I it. Do, I am more of the existential, like let's talk philosophically, blah yeah. blah. Like I can do that for days. Which some of these, like this next one, could get into some of that. But yeah, that's that's my area. Mm. I, I I was more philosophy than religion, so. Hmm. And I'm a security guard. So uh, (laughs) the question we're going to tackle today is why does evil and suffering exist? What? Are you for real? Why does evil and suffering exist? What an incredible question to pose. And then, of course, we've got to fill in the hanger from last week, right? Which is. Oh, yeah. That second question is, does does the Bible really endorse slavery? 
Yeah. But we're not going to get to that yet. So. No, but it all kind of <laughs> does work hand in hand to some extent. We're not so. optimistic that we're going to get all the way to the slavery question. Yeah. But we will try. It so, might segue in. Who knows? So let's talk about the first word that you mentioned there, which isn't why, although that is you as a, a philosopher, that is the only question, really. Um, the first word that you mentioned was evil, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that word evil for a minute, right? What What do you think about when you think about evil? Why does it exist? What is it? What, what is it? How about but, what is evil? Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. That's not the first thing I think of, but oh, okay. first what you, thing, what's the first thing you, you think? Why does it exist? But oh, that's okay. But no, what? Yeah, the, what is it? Is is the proper <laughs> response to your okay. question? Yeah. Well, okay. What, what? Where's the first time that we in our translation read the word evil in the Bible? It's pretty quick. I'd say Genesis two. Right. Yeah. When Early. when God yeah. gives the command, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of, of good, good and, and evil. evil. Right. So we translate that as evil. I know a better translation of the Hebrew is more like bad, right? It's it's the it's the other side of the good, right? And evil isn't necessarily the other side of the good. It maybe it is, I guess. Well, the question the question to start with, I think, is um, can can evil or bad exist without good or can good exist without bad i mean that's so you just jump straight to the philosophy yeah i i know that's why i said the why yeah uh, so you're listening so, here's what i want you to so, do for the next two hours is explain why a pencil is a pencil hey let's not get into that. <laughs> i've been down that road yeah. um right. no but seriously though like like we talk about good and evil as though they have to both coexist and that's not the case um it's not the case. It's not. Hmm. No, they don't have to coexist. I mean, they do at this point. I'm intrigued by that question. Why? Why don't they have to coexist? Why don't they have to coexist? Because there was good before there was evil. And there wasn't evil back back before all of it. Like, hmm. when it was just God, yeah. there was just good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and evil does not have to exist in order for there to be a good. Okay. So... It, it gives us a measuring stick in, in our culture today. There has to be a good if there is an evil. Okay. Because because in order to call something evil, you have to know what is good. Oh, okay. So there's my philosophy for you. Now, what well, is evil? That actually, Derek, is a, a powerful point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you've got uh, – there. you could say in a sense – by simply asking the question, why does evil exist? You're asking, you're, you're, the question itself assumes that there is a greater good. Right. And so the Christian might say that greater good is God. There's a, if you're asking the question, why does evil exist? Then there's an assumption of a moral, a, a moral standard. Right. And so if you have a moral standard, you have to ask where, what is the standard? Where does it come from? And, and so the Christian, of course, is going to say that moral standard, that higher standard of morality is God, is the Bible. Yep. And so, you know, we, we can look at evil. First of all, it is evil is not. So I'm going to use a big fancy seminary word. Are you ready for this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Evil 
is incorporeal. Whoa! It even rhymed. I'm incredibly impressed. Evil is not a, so incorporeal, big word, just means without a body. Okay. Evil is not a thing. You cannot touch it. You cannot, I mean, you can touch the results of it, but you can't smell it. Evil itself is a thing that is without a a body or without a a tangible uh, component to it. And so that's basically, you know, we could look at it as the flip side of good. We could look at it possibly as something grossly lacking, not necessarily connected to good, but something grossly lacking. Um, And so, you know, it's, there's a lot of components to it. You've got moral evil, you've got, uh, but do we apply moral evil to, to natural, to the natural world? So we might say murder is evil among humans, right? Right. But how come not among wolves? Yeah. And so it's, it's a complicated uh, thing to consider, really, mm-hmm. um, the, just the very nature of evil itself. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, again, all of this as a Christian brings me, it continually points the compass to a greater moral good. I'm going to stop calling that greater moral good a greater moral good and just call that God. That's good. Yeah, I, I like that because... You know, this is one of those those million dollar questions that you pose to an atheist and they have no real significant response. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I know Derek you've been listening a lot to uh the, the Frank fellow, Turek. There you go, Frank Turek that authored It Takes More Faith what what is it? it more faith to be an atheist. Yeah. Athe- I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew I'd spit that out at some point. So you, you, you've got, I mean, that, that is a great point because from a follower of Christ and a Bible believer, we're, we're spelled out, it's spelled out for us where morals come from, where morality comes from, where beauty comes from, where all of those things come from. And Jeff, you hit the nail right on the head, right? It's God. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's God. And and so from you know the atheist would rebut, well, God of the gaps, right? You, we can't prove it, so you just label all the things that we don't know about today as God, and then w- one day science and humanity will fill in all of those gaps. And so you just serve the God of the gaps, right? W- however you want to spin all of that, uh, there is far too much in the Bible that confirms things that science probably will never be able to prove. And so much of the things that that our science proves, um, and, and I'm saying ours because it is ours, right? As Christians, it's our science too. Um, the, the more science proves about the nature of things, the more it just affirms what the Bible has shown us for the past 2,500 years, right? Mm-hmm. So, Really cool concept when we think about all of, of these things and how they tie together. And I hope we haven't lost you yet because that was a lot of real high philosophical like understanding of what and why and how to some questions that don't have a real firm answer and that we're just really saying is God, right? God is the moral system in which we as human beings – created in the image of God operate. Quick That's book true. plug. Um, for any of you who are on that fence of, is God really 
you know, a moral standard for good or, you know, is, does he have to be required? Um, can we be good without God is an incredible book that, that debates, you know, goes through and, and tells a story really. Um, but they arrive to a conclusion of whether or not we can be good without God. Um, so I encourage you to check that book out. If you are, you know, on that fence, can we be good without God? Um, does God have to exist in order for us to have a moral standard? Um, Who wrote that book? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but you type type in can you know can you be good without can we good be good without God? And it'll pop up. It'll be the only one I think. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So we're assuming at this point from here on in this this conversation that God is our moral standard for yeah, good. So that's good. Yeah. So that's the basis from we're starting from and. And what I like is I, I, James sums it up pretty well when he says every good and perfect gift or thing comes from heaven above, right? Mm-hmm. It comes from the Father, and and that really becomes the the light which he goes on to even call you know God as the light. Uh, let me let me give you a little bit of James one seven here. So book of James chapter one, we'll start in verse sixteen. Listen to listen to what he writes. He writes. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. It's a pretty powerful statement when we begin to examine evil and good, and we, we look at these mm-hmm. things in, in their proper balance, because every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good is from above. Good is what comes from, is what what is manifested through the Father. Every good we see is not, we're not responsible for those goods that come from our hands. The good things that come from us come from God. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the way it works. That's the, the point of operation. So every evil, where does it manifest itself? Maybe there's another the philosophical question. There you go. It, it manifests in our hearts. Right. It manifests in, in our hearts. And, I mean, you read throughout the Bible that who has authority over the world that we live in? It's the enemy. It's uh-huh. it's Satan, right? It's the Antichrist. And, and there's this war that goes on within us from the very first moment that the first man and woman sinned. And they welcomed sin into this world that we're caught in this fallen place where both good and evil and bad exist. And that's what we see play out in our world around us. We, see, we experience in our lives moments of extreme good and we experience moments of extreme bad, evil, wickedness. Uh, sometimes we experience it firsthand. Sometimes it's just something that is going on in the world around us in, in how we mm-hmm. experience it. And and I feel I, I'm pretty confident in knowing that on this side of heaven, we will ag- and never experience the extreme of the good. We will never see that in its fullest right. capacity. On the other side of it, I don't know if God will even allow us to see the extremes of evil or bad either because his good still does exist in the world around us. Mm -hmm. So even the murders and the rapes and all of the horrible things that we hear of, that's not 
necessarily the depths of the depravity that truly exist mm-hmm. from the enemy. It's absolutely true. Yeah, the uh, the reality is uh, Jude gives us a picture of what you just stated, that we, we probably aren't even experiencing the evil yep. that God is restraining the evil that could exist. Yep. Uh, the book of Jude, one it's one chapter. So it, Jude uh, says that, uh, I'm paraphrasing because I'm not reading it right now, says that there were uh, uh, demons that did not keep their proper order of things and God chained them to outer darkness. So let me let me bring that to our modern understanding. There are demons, angels of Satan, so wicked and so evil that God has chained them so they are not free to roam the earth. They are not free to influence men because they are they wouldn't even stay within the boundaries of spiritual law, let alone earthly law. And so God has restrained them. Uh, Satan is not restrained uh, in the sense that he's chained. However, he is restrained in the sense that nothing happens uh, that is outside of God's sovereignty. And so uh, does evil exist? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the big question or the, the, the easy answer is yes, evil clearly exists. But then you have to get to what is the source of evil? And and what is it? According to James, it, it is evil is in the hearts of men. Yep. God does not create evil. However, you could say philosophically uh, that it is the flip side. It is the, the other side of the coin. If God is good, then, then uh, you know, uh, practically, then naturally speaking, there must be bad. You can't have good if there's if there's no bad. What would be the... You know, if there was no such thing as slow, then what would be fast? But we just you know? we just established earlier that that you can have good without bad. Uh, God was when he was before all of this was good without bad. There was no bad that existed. Bad is a an arbitrary thing. If there is no good, there can be no bad. But there can be good without bad. In our in our world that God has given us, this world with good and bad. Right. And so in God's presence, sure, there could be anything. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, at one point in time, there existed good without evil. And at this point in time, that, that's not the case, obviously. Right, and I think that's and, what I'm, I'm saying, too, is that at this point in time, exists. that's not the case. Well, in but heaven, evil will exist at that point, too. It just, we won't we'll be in be, the presence of yeah. it. Like, yeah. it, hell, yeah. there will be evil, I'm assuming, in hell. I mean, obviously, yeah. the separation and not wanting God is is all those chain chain demons. The, the, They're the, taking care the, of those people. The challenge with that though is in that moment when I mean, as far as we can tell in the Bible, if if you had the opportunity to learn, to hear, to understand God's will, God's word, and to embrace Jesus, you will spend etern and you you refuse that. You will spend eternity separated from God. So what are you essentially being separated from in that? Good. Good. Right. 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 You are separate. You're separated from everything that is good, that can be good, that will be good, because every mm-hmm. good it comes from the Father. Right. So right. all you will ever know is is the other side of that is a life without that is void of any semblance of any good. And we can call a lot of things good in this world around us. Right. We can call a sunset and a sunrise good. 
we can call flour good. We can call uh, uh, having a roof that doesn't leak over us good. We can call any of those things good. And they are good in their own right. We're void of that. You are completely void of that on the other side of eternity without God. Yeah, you have to spend an eternity with God's wrath. Basically, right. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it. It's kind of an interesting thing because, like, we won't see God's wrath until that happens. Yeah. I mean, God's wrath, you know, like punishment, maybe, discipline, maybe, but God's wrath won't happen until then. And then you get to spend eternity with God's wrath. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's because God has to be perfectly just, right? Yeah. He has to have that wrath with the love. Um, yeah. And so, in order for him to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, we're, that, we're towing the line on some some challenging concepts for for denominational concepts too. Mm. You know, when when you think about it, there is one aspect of of the Christian faith. I guess we we'll, we'll call it that um, that believes that's gets called universalism, right? Mm-hmm. And it believes that once Christ died, He died for everybody, regardless of what they may do, of how they may proclaim Him, and you may even be saying. Um, well, if the Father does have any bit of good in him, what good is it to separate any of his image bearers from him for eternity? It's because he's completely just as well. So maybe mm-hmm. there's a little bit of definition that we need to add to that this, that part of, of this discussion, too, in, in understanding that maybe a good thing is to give you exactly what your heart desires, which is to not be united with God through Christ. For eternity. Yeah, if you don't want him, yeah. Why would why would he why would he make you suffer right and be with him forever? Right. Like if you truly don't want him, yep. like if that's the desires of your heart, yep. how could he be loving and and still and force you to be with him? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. and as silly as that sounds from from my perspective, because I think that that's an insane thought, just because it's like I know God. You know, like, how could you not want to be with him for eternity, especially if you know the opposite uh, or even an inkling of the opposite of being with him for eternity? Like, that's that to me is a silly concept, but that's the truth. I mean, that's that seriously is is what it boils down to is like, how can he be loving and just and force you to be with him if that's not what you want? Right. And and I think this circles back to he loves you enough. And so much that he's willing to allow you to make that decision on your own. Yeah. I think this any any person that has ever been pursued by a love interest they had no interest in should get the concept that you're explaining. That's good. Yeah. If you've if you're a young woman or a, a man and and you know uh, you've had a think of if you're a young woman and a, and a man is pursuing you and you say no I'm not interested would it be good for the man to continue to pursue you no that or would the be better illegal. thing would be for him to, to okay i honor your your decision i honor your choice to not you're not interested in me i honor that that would be the right thing for a man to do um and same you know flip that around um i actually did have believe it or not a young woman many many years ago before i was married pursue me and uh it's the only time it ever happened and I, that's why I remember it, uh, because no, woman, <laughs> no women ever pursued me except for this one girl. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. 
So God honors your de- the decision you make today. He will honor for eternity. Uh, if you decide that that uh, that you don't want anything to do with him, he will honor that decision for an eternity. Mm-hmm. If you hu- humbly submit your life to him and repent of your sins, he will honor that decision for eternity. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that um, interesting? Like the fact that everything else that you could possibly have done or possibly do can be forgiven. Like all of the rest of that can be forgiven entirely. God mm-hmm. will absolutely erase all of that from the stains of of your your righteousness that has been cloaked on you if you accept him. Um except for not wanting him. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's that's incredible to me. Like if you right. end your life, if you die and have rejected him, that's the only thing that can separate you from eternity from him for eternity. It's true. I uh um I tell people this, uh you no one goes to hell because of their yes in the grander sense we all go to hell because of right sin. right but the the statement i'm making is this you don't go to hell because of your sin you go to hell because you reject christ mm-hmm. right we are all of us uh, christians uh, you know pastors everyone all the christians i know sin derek what about you do you know any that don't i don't yeah lizzie have you met any christians that don't Nope. So what's the difference between those who spend eternity with the Father and those who spend eternity apart from the Father? The difference is Jesus. Right. We've accepted his gift. We've accepted his gift. He's right. adopted us into the family of the, the kingdom of God. And so what differentiates those in hell from those in heaven is whether or not you receive or reject God's gift. Right. Right. That's it. I mean, you're you're being punished. I mean, essentially, if you go to hell, the punishment of sin. Sin is the crime, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the rejection of the payment for that sin is ludicrous. I mean, really, yeah. like, if we want to get down to it, that's crazy. Like, if you owed five thousand dollar fine, or you get to go to jail, and the, you don't have the five thousand dollars, well, you're obviously going to go to jail, right? But if the judge stepped down, took his robe off, gave you five grand and said, here you go, pay your fine, you can then turn around and use that money and pay your fine and you don't go to jail. And that's essentially what what's being offered. I mean, we've committed crime of sin. The punishment is death, Mm -hmm. eternal death. Mm -hmm. Jesus is like, here you go. I've paid for it. You just got to accept it and choose to not go to jail. You know, you have to choose that. Mm -hmm. So you can be forgiven of every sin, which is an incredible thing. Like that same think judge, of the atrocities that are out there that people can be forgiven of. It's incredible the power mm-hmm. of of forgiveness that God has. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. if you don't accept that free gift that was paid with a perfect life and and dying for all of that and taking all of that upon himself. If you don't take that free gift, that that's what that's what sends you mm-hmm. sends you to your eternal justice. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I I like that you used the the image of a judge because that's really the right image uh when we look at God. That judge that comes down from his bench and offers to pay your bail money or the, your your fine. Uh is the same judge who will have to throw you in jail if you reject his offer to pay your fine. 
It's the same judge. Yep. And so God has has offered everyone the opportunity to avoid eternal punishment by receiving uh, his, if we could just call it his his uh, penance, his uh, the money for the fine, which is in this case Jesus. And if you reject that, then it's the same judge that has to throw you into um, eternal hell. And so here's the thing: is that God is he evil or is he justified in doing this? Absolutely. We we have to look at this. He's not um, evil. Let me clarify. He's not, he's not evil. evil. He's justified for sure. In doing sure. It. Yeah. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. Sometimes yeah. my brain <laughs> works faster than my mouth works faster than my brain. Um, but uh, what happens is when when uh, when we are found guilty of a crime, and we are, we're found guilty of the of of sin. Um, and I want to kind of say this real quick. I love R.C. Sproul. Um, he, he had a great quote, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but so it's not really a quote, but a paraphrase of R.C. Sproul. He he was asked once, do good people go to hell? R.C. Sproul famously said, well, no, but there aren't any good people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, and so goods, you know, yeah, yeah, we're, we're looking at our goodness and, and I've heard so many people I've done this. I'm sure everybody's done this, but you, you hear it in various ways. Um, well, yeah, I drink a lot, but I don't drink as much as that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I've cheated on my spouse, but you know, my coworker cheats on their spouse constantly. Yeah. I've only done it once. Um, and so it's this comparative righteousness. But right. God says, according to Paul, uh, we don't have any righteous. Our righteousness, we don't compare it. I, my righteousness does not is not compared to Derek's righteousness. If it was, we we both might have a fighting chance, right, Derek? Yeah, and that's that's the only place that I accept the answer: a sin is a sin. When it comes to that that statement of a sin is a sin. This is literally the only place that I accept that as a good answer is the fact that we can't compare them. Right. They, we, we are not the standard for which is good to, no to compare to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, we are not less wrong for doing what we did in the eyes of eternity as right. far as that goes. Right. Well, so our standard for righteousness is God's standard for righteousness. It's the only righteousness that it's exists. the only yeah, yeah that is righteousness. We're actually comparing bad to bad mm-hmm. and saying something that is less bad is actually good. Right. It's yeah. kind of non. It's a nonsensical argument. Uh, when you compare bad to good, then we're obviously in a, in a terrible situation. My 11 year old son, I was telling him basically what we're talking about now, and he's 11 years old, and he looks at me, he goes, "Well, you'd have to be an idiot to not take God's gift, wouldn't you?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, but, you- <laughs> but people, and the and the reason people don't, right? Some of you might be listening, hopefully, um, and thinking, yeah, well, you know." Why does God have to be? The reason that, that people don't don't accept it is because we as the church have failed tremendously to show that Jesus is not a set of rules. Jesus is not a religion set of rules yeah. that have been put in place. That Jesus is a relationship. We have failed to show that. 
We have yeah. failed to show that Jesus is a, a is a growing relationship. And what happens in every relationship? There's ups and there's downs. There's fights and there's awesome tender moments. There's yeah. there's growth and learning and steps backwards. And at, that is how relationships work. It works in every relationship that you have. There is no relationship in which it doesn't exist that there are forwards and backwards moments. And yep. it's not about a religious set of rules. And I think that we've dropped the ball on that by pushing the rules out there. Derek Tennant oh, okay. said two episodes <laughs> White ago. White chocolate? White chocolate. Yeah. White chocolate, yeah. right. Sorry. White chocolate <laughs> said a couple episodes ago that that's one of his big pet peeves is that we so often push our rules, per se, mm-hmm. the things that we have been commanded, like that we think are the rules. Um, we push those on on the non-God-centered country and, and laws and, and whatnot mm-hmm. of everything. We push that on that, and it's – and the the viewing of that is that oh christianity is a religion Mm -hmm. full of rules and if you don't follow the rules you go to hell and that is could not be any further from what christianity is and what jesus Mm -hmm. preached Mm -hmm. yep yeah Yeah, it's 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 cool because um you know i i mentioned i think i remember that conversation i was talking about the orientation to the cross versus proximity to the cross and uh, I don't want to get back into that analogy, but I do want to say that the uh, when we disciple as pastors, as, as leaders in the church, discipleship is it is sloppy. It yeah. is messy. Here's the difference between making rules and good discipleship. As a discipler of men and women, I am not concerned with whether or not they swear. I'm not concerned with what movie choices they're making. I don't tell them, stop watching our rated movies. I don't teach them that. That's not discipleship. Right. That's making rules. Yep. What yeah. is discipleship? I tell them, that's the cross. I grab them by the shoulders you know, in a figurative sense. I point them in that way, and I say, pursue that. And I know this, that that's discipleship. And if they do pursue the cross, then they will naturally, because well, the Spirit will lead them and guide them, they yeah. will begin to clean up their language. They will then begin to be worried about their conduct. They will be worried about their character and so on and so forth. And so that's true discipleship. That's change from the, that's cha- transformation from the inside out. Yep. That's how God right. does it. Not rules that we live by. Those are rules from the outside in. It's like why, why we have that joke. I've told it. I'm going to tell it every episode. It's going to be my thing. Don't invite two Baptists on your fishing trip because they'll drink or don't invite one Baptist on your fishing trip. He'll drink all your beer. You invite <laughs> two so they won't drink any beer. <laughs> yeah. That's rule. I will why laugh would, at that why every would time Why would two Baptists you tell not drink any beer? Because they want to look good in front of each other. Mm-hmm. But there's yeah. not true transformation. True transformation says even if no one's looking, I'm going to behave of good moral conduct. Yep. Right. We're back to morality. We're that, back to the question of evil. That should really sum up our faith, too. You know, it shouldn't be about denominational lines that we have drawn because all of those denominational lines, I believe, are all are all derived by human hands and minds. 
Um, and, and I get the whole, you know, we are many parts of one body and we can use that analogy. And, and I do recognize we all worship differently. We all respond differently. We all have different gifts. We, all of those things are very true. But what happens is, is when we begin to draw those denominational lines, then we so often begin to stop looking at the cross and we start looking at our creed or our, mm-hmm. our doctrine as the cross and say, well, these are the mm-hmm. things I have to do as opposed to following, following that cross that's out there a distance from us that we are, are ever so slowly being drawn near to. So, so in, in a shortcut statement, I know lots of people who don't know Jesus who have good moral conduct. Yes. Yes. Lots of people. Yes. And so, so it's not conduct that that indicates uh, salvation. But why does evil exist? So I'm we've gone we've gone into up. the definition of it and and really well. Um, and it is a short answer, but of sin yeah. is the yeah. answer. But but if you think about suffering, the only reason they're suffering is usually it's a root from sin. People say, why do, you know, bad things happen to good people? It's usually somebody's choice to sin, Mm -hmm. to do something that Mm -hmm. they shouldn't do. Like, you know, somebody's killed by a drunk driver. They weren't drinking. They didn't necessarily, they didn't do anything wrong in that moment. But somebody else decided to make a bad decision, an evil decision, and to drive while drunk. And then that has caused this to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. does God want that to happen? No, but he's not going to take away your choice to decide that that's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's a great example. But what about the flip side of suffering of, like, why does a kid get cancer? Like, how do we deal with that? Like, why does that That, suffering exist? Could it be that we've misused God's creation? It doesn't necessarily mean that that kid has necessarily done anything horrible or even his parents did anything horrible. But in general, like... We have not used this world and the creation that God gave us in the best manner. I think we can both all agree on that, and that is the result of that. I don't. I don't think that's even that's a a fair way to even sum it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm there with you, and I'm mm-hmm. following, I'm tracking with you, but I don't think that's fair to sum up because you, basically, then what we're saying is that kid's being judged for the sins of the fathers, right? Which the Bible says we're not we're not being judged for the sins of the fathers. Mm-hmm. We, we we get in the Bible like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so on and so forth. But it what exists I, in the world because of it somebody does. has that there has been sin and it continues continues to be sinful. Right. It, it it is a true illustration that we live in a fallen world that is still separated from God. Uh-huh. The the gap the, the the gap is bridged through Christ at this time until Christ comes and restores, but. Until that time, like we still live in this place that is is sinful, that is evil, that is wicked, that does have suffering, that does have all those things because we're still separated from God. Mm-hmm. So, I, I when this is posed to me, I, I try I look at at life. Since I've become a follower of Christ, I've be, begun to look at life as like playing the long game. You know, we. We're, we're called and all we can truly play is the short game, right? Because that's all we understand. We understand 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, maybe 100 years. Um, some people would call that blessed to live 100 years. I would look at that maybe in my life as a curse if I had to live for 100 years because that would mean a lot of bad things, which means God's going to let me live for 100 years and it won't be fun. Um, <laughs> but we... <laughs> I digress. Uh, so yeah. so we, we look at this, 100 years isn't a long time. 
I mean, as, as long as it is in our lifetime, like 100 years is not a long time. It's not a truly significant amount of time in the grand scheme of eternity, which is what God is really calling us to. You want to know what's crazy is is I believe that if it, if this is a child that has cancer, that suffers and endures in this world, whether or not they've, they've really had the, the chance to respond to Jesus, uh, I believe they're ushered immediately in. Like Jesus, Jesus bridged that gap. And I think mm-hmm. we have some context for that in scripture when we talk about, you know, you're supposed to be a, a baptized and immersed believer. Like you're supposed to have the ability to comprehend the decision that you're making to follow Jesus. Do some children have that capacity? Yeah. Does a kid with cancer that's 12 year olds have that capacity? Maybe, but I think there's so much going on in their world that God's like, look, buddy, I got you. And the really cool thing is what they're leaving is mm-hmm. is not better than what they're going to, <laughs> right? What they're going to is far, far, far better than what they're going to. And all yeah. we do is we look at it through our finite, imperfect eyes and say, what a tragedy. How can that God exist that allows that to happen? That God is allowing that child into heaven immediately where there is no sin, where there is no shame, where there is no tear, where there is no hurt, where there is no suffering, where there is no sorrow. And he's welcoming into welcoming him into that place for eternity. Crazy. Like I almost yep. feel like I'd rather endure a few years of suffering in this life to have that privilege yeah. than to have to endure. Now, does that mean like I wouldn't question it if, if I've got a, a two month old son if we found out that he had a terminal illness or my 13-year-old daughter or my 12-year-old daughter, would that mean that it wouldn't hurt me deeply? Would that mean that I wouldn't curse God? Maybe maybe not curse. That's my, maybe not far enough to go. But that I wouldn't question God and be angry with him for a time? Yeah, I would because I'm still a sinful, fallen human being as well. And I want my kid to have have the best in life. And I don't want to see them suffering. But every time any one of us suffers, we're all children of God as well. And he hurts just like we would hurt for our kids, if not more. And I think that it's important to – an easy way to sum up what you've said, I think, is that suffering isn't necessarily a judgment. Yeah. It's not God's judgment. God's reserving his judgment for the end. Yeah. Like we talked about That's earlier it. with wrath, yeah. it's not it's not God's punishment. It's not God's God's dealings with your you know with your sin. It, suffering suffering is not necessarily that. Am I saying right. it's never that? I can't say that it's never that, but I can say that a kid getting cancer at the very least, which is one of those super atrocities that is not a there's an evil person behind it explanation that you got to say that that is not God's judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not God's judgment upon that person. It's not a punishment. It's not uh, his, his wrath upon that person. Mm-hmm. He's not pushing an evil, horrible will upon that person. Yeah. So I, I think that that's something important to, to state is that it's not judgment. And I think it fi- I find it interesting because um, I've had friends whose kids have had cancer birth defects, heart problems, you know, all those kinds of things. And the spending times in hospitals and stuff and, you know, me visiting people in hospitals and stuff, the majority of families with kids that are terminal, considered terminal, like 
the majority that I have met and or that I've my friends have met and stuff are Christians because that's where they find hope because there's nowhere else that they can go for hope right because otherwise their kid that means like there's no there's no hope for their kid there's nothing better for them if this takes a turn for the worst if they do then they've just suffered for no reason yeah I mean no purpose just because we're in a horrible terrible world like and I, I, I can't even imagine having to go through that and not having that the hope that we have of that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, of things that I've seen and talked to and people that I've communicated with. But um, I don't know. Maybe we can – maybe if you're a nurse yeah. out there in a, <laughs> one of those wards, you can tell me that I'm wrong. Um, I think that um, I'd like to try to address the, the, the first word of the question. We – talked about evil we're talking about suffering a little bit but let's talk about the why yeah i uh i believe that the why is this god wants to show us his fullness yeah as much as we can as much as we can comprehend or grasp and so he gave us free will and this is the reason why think about the fruit of the spirit love joy think about these in the absence of evil we would Love, never know them. Yep. Joy, peace. Can you have peace if there's no war? Yep. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I would add a few more to that list. Uh, would we know mercy without evil? Would we know the depth of God's love for us without evil? And so why evil? Well, because God is using evil to show us who he is, his complete, his fullness, his His complete nature. Uh, prior to creation, all these things existed, but they existed uh, in the absence. So God was loving prior to evil, right? Right. God was, uh, or prior to creation, he was, uh, he was patient prior to creation, but it, none of these characteristics were manifest. Mm. They just were. And so we see a uh, God that, that is patient now, because we know impatience, we know hastiness now. Uh, we and, and we see it in our lives. We see the patience of God in, for especially for those of us that have uh, received Christ, how patient He was with us to bring us to that point, but also how patient He remains with us mm. after we receive Christ. Yep. Because man, oh man, we are not complete. <laughs> nope. And so salvation is this all is the, the the concept of scriptures the already but not yet. Mm -hmm. So in salvation we already receive God's uh, patience. We receive His salvation. We receive uh, much of His goodness, but we don't not we not yet receive all of it. And so only in glory will we will we fully experience God's love. We get a little bit now, but we get all of it later. And so why does evil exist? Evil exists because uh, God wants to show his mercy. He wants to show the depth of his love. Yeah. He wants to show uh, how far and how wide and how deep his character is. And apart from evil, these things aren't revealed. Yeah. They're not fully understood. It's certainly not in our context. I'm not sure you know, we can we can only can guess what it was like prior to creation. Yeah. But in our context, in the in the in the natural in the created context, uh, we only have mercy because 
there, there needs, we need mercy from something because there is sin. We only have grace because there is uh, treachery in the world. Yeah. And that's, so that's, to me, that's the reason, that's why, why is there evil? Yeah. Because God wants to show us who he is. I definitely, I firmly agree with, with all of that. Uh, we, we wouldn't know the we wouldn't begin to know the depth of God's love if we didn't know the hurt and the pain and the suffering in this world. Uh, Christ's death would mean nothing to us if it wasn't mm-hmm. for suffering, because that's exactly what he did. He mm-hmm. suffered. And if you read in, in the prophecy of Isaiah, there's a whole section dedicated to the suffering servant who is Jesus and how he will suffer, and how he will be abused, and how he will be cast out, and how he will be neglected, and how he will be beaten, and cursed, and spit upon, and hung on a cross, uh, hung on a tree, it speaks of. But uh, that that is the depth of what we're called to be able to embrace. And mm-hmm. we wouldn't firmly understand that love and that great... We wouldn't understand the fruits of the Spirit if we didn't understand the other side of that, the anti-fruits of the Spirit that exist in, in the world around us as well. And where we fall short is when we begin to redefine what we feel morality is, what we feel goodness is, what we feel truth is, and we begin to remove that from the creator of those things and establish that in our fallen, sinful, broken nature. And we, we slap a label on it and call it something that it's really not. Yeah. So before we comparison, be, yeah, um, I want to uh, uh, compare the the these fruit of the spirit to the world that we're observing before our very eyes right now. Yeah. If God if God is good and and evil exists to reveal his goodness how much more so when we know that god is love and we we see these hate it's hate on mm-hmm. the street hate and it's hate across the board it's hate from derek chauvin who committed an evil thing did an evil thing mm-hmm. you want to talk about evil that was evil yep he did an evil thing he did it upon an image bearer of god yep and and the response to it is what? More hate. Yep. Hate across the board. Black Lives Matter is manifesting hate. Yep. Uh, uh, social justice warriors are manifesting hate. They're not manifesting love. Yep. God manifests love, and his love stands in stark contrast to the hate we see running all over our streets. Yep. Joy. Where is the joy in our world? Why does evil exist? So we can see what joy is. Yep. There is no joy in chop. Nobody, their happiness may be for a moment, but happiness is related to the world happening. I'm happy when I get a new Ford truck. There, there's joy in pork chops or steak chops. Steak chops, Not yeah. in the chop. What about this one? Another fruit of the spirit. We're, con- we're contrasting God's character to the world that we see. How about peace? Yeah. How about patience? Whoa, yeah, there you go. How about just simply number seven, goodness. Yep. How about just being kind to each mm-hmm. other? Mm-hmm. Kindness, just being kind to each other. I was reading a. It was a actually it was a comment on a YouTube video, and and he was re, he was commenting on the social justice. Uh, actually, it was it was uh, he was referring to the social gospel. Have you heard of the social justice gospel? Mm-hmm. It's a new thing, kind of a new thing. Maybe it's not that new, but it's new now because it's in the spotlight. Because now you've got. Uh, 
pastor after pastor and preacher after preacher coming out and uh, uh, preaching a social justice gospel that white men need to be ashamed uh, that, you know, we need to uh, uh, kiss the feet of black men and so on and so forth. Um, here's the problem with the social justice gospel compared to the mercy and the goodness of Jesus Christ, the social justice gospel doesn't offer forgiveness. It right. never forgives. Right. You have to always be ashamed. Right. You have to always kiss the feet of whoever opposes you or you oppose. Yeah. You never get forgiven for it. Yeah. You never get to receive from that person kindness or gentleness or joy or peace. Rather, you are continually in a cycle of ongoing uh, repentance, yep. ongoing based, repentance. Based on not what you did. Yep. Based hmm? on not what you did, yep. but the right. color of your skin. Yep. Based on race. Yep. Based on and the so color of your skin. As we continue to move down the list, now we get to self-control. My goodness, we could use a little bit of that yep. across the board. You mean thinking before you speak? <laughs> self-control and how how about uh don't pick up that brick uh, exercise self-control and don't throw it through a window yeah. of a small business owner don't steal all the gummy bears from from target while you're leaving. don't don't clear out the walmart store yeah don't shoot cops in the yeah. back of the head so yeah. self-control is not stealing gummy bears when other people are stealing big screens right that's not self-control yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is not self-control. See, that's how we compare righteousness to each other. Yeah, I stole some gummy bears, but that other guy, he stole a big screen. Yeah. Right. I'm good with God, right? Yeah. Uh, so all these things, why does evil exist? So we can see the goodness of God. Yeah. So we can see the love of God. Yeah. And when the church exercises these things in the face of our world, that's how God is glorified. And that's, that's how God uh, is manifest in our world. We are told to be the hands and feet of Christ. And that... <laughs> Oh my goodness. There's two dudes in Coleman, Alabama. Have you heard about these guys? No. Simple little, they're older gentlemen. Uh, it's a black guy and a white guy. And they stand on the corner in this little town of Coleman, Alabama uh, with, I, I think it just says love. They hold, they both hold signs that just say love everybody. Yeah. And love I, they look like best friends. Like they've been hanging out together for years. I don't know their story, but love everybody. And, and they're just standing on the corner and they dance and they hold their signs and people are honking and waving. And I think that is cool. Yeah. That is cool. cool. That's yeah. it. That is different from what we see in the world. Yeah. And I definitely think that the challenge, um, I, I want to make this a challenge for everybody who's listening, but what are you doing to show God's good to people? Yeah. Like, mm. What are you doing? Are you doing the opposite? Are you spreading the hate? Are you spreading the division? Are you spreading that? Like, what are you doing personally to show how good God is? Because that's how it's shown. He says, you know, even though in the Bible it says, like, you know, even the rocks will cry out, but like, you were posed such a time for, we are posed as Christians for such a time as this to show God's love to people. Mm. And so many of us are not doing anything. Um, I would lump myself in the kind of, sitting on the sidelines type, you know, person, like not really doing anything. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not liking or sharing anything, but that doesn't mean that I'm doing, showing God how good God is either. Um, right. And that, that, that is a perfect, I mean, that's perfect way to, to wrap all this up though, is that the focus is not for, for Christians or for anybody um, that is, you know, wanting to show God's love. I guess that would be Christians um, is not, are you are you standing up for Black Lives? Mm -hmm. That's that's not the 
the the point of this. It's it's are you pointing people to Jesus? Because if you're pointing people to Jesus, yes. they will love black lives. Yeah. They will love white lives. They will love everybody. Yeah. They the the dynamic mm-hmm. changes drastically yeah. when you point people to Jesus and they get it. Yeah. And that is the very, very best thing mm-hmm. that you can do to change lives everywhere. Yeah. And to create an equality that is so desperately being cried out for, whether justly or not. Yeah. That equality for people of color everywhere, if you want to be PC about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that is that is the people in blue, too. Mm-hmm. That's those men and women that are just and in uniform. Mm-hmm. That is the very best thing that you can do is to point people to Jesus. That is an awesome way to sum that up. And Amen. I am sorry we're not going to to make it to slavery in the Bible and its endorsement. Um, in this episode, we will have to go to a part three Woo! to talk about, does the Bible really endorse slavery? I don't know if we're allowed to... Uh, to have the same cliffhanger twice in a row, but we're going Can to. Can I leave them so. with, the, with the cliffhanger? Go for it. Does the Bible endorse slavery? The answer is yes. And find <laughs> out on part three what why that means. and what it means. Yeah. Yes, but it's not what you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. What a great conversation again today. You know, that ran us in a lot of different directions, um, but – the direction that it should all be pulling us to is Jesus mm-hmm. because he changes yeah. everything. He changes the whole social dynamic. He changes the whole political dynamic. He changes every aspect of our lives. So long as we're willing to pursue him, so long as we're willing to help point others to him, we can't necessarily drag people to him, but we can point people to him. And and that's what it's all about. That's how we as followers are supposed to respond is by simply modeling what he has modeled for us and by pointing others to him. So I'm really excited about this conversation that we had. I'm sure there are a lot of other questions that that stem from the discussion that we had that we could talk about till we're blue in the face. This is such a huge topic when it comes to evil and suffering and why it exists and 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 all of that good stuff. And uh, And hey, we would love to hear from you about that too. So if you have any more questions or comments about that, Check us out on social media. You can hit us up on Instagram or on Facebook. We are The Truth Response, uh, and we would love to hear from you, hear your questions that you have for us, and just so excited to uh, to be able to continue to offer this uh, little bit of truth in a world that is very desperate for it right now. So until next time, God bless, and can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Be sure to like us on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at The Truth Response. You can also leave us a comment on one of our social media pages. Send us an email at thetruthresponse at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and God bless. Yeah,